You're listening to The Sideline Story, the past, present and future of Rugby League, their journey, their sideline story. But it's head on, the story. Easy. It's black and white. It's head on. If you go in with enough force and you fuck it up, then you have to pay more of a penalty. Yeah. No, you shouldn't. It's a head on, it's a head on, it's story. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 72 of the Sideline Story Rugby League podcast for our preview episode of the upcoming Rugby League World Cup. I am your host, Daniel Tassoni, and joined with me on the panel is none other than my boy, the OG Nicholas Guild. We have no Ryan Clark today, guys, but Nick, how are you going? Yeah, good. Excited? Uh, pumped. I'm pumped as well. This is my um, Pista Resistance, my International Rugby League, which I've been a gigantic fan of since the Kiwis won the 2008 World Cup. That's when I've been a big fan. You know that, Guilty? I knew you were a big fan. How do you know? Because you go on about it all the time. <laughs> Well it, well, it is the pinnacle, Nick. It is the pinnacle of the game. You know that. Is it, though? Yeah, I think so. Like, what I, I think know. we'll see in this tournament, because it is the first time they've had 16 teams in the World Cup, you will see some blowouts. And you're going to give me shit and go, oh, look at that. One of the games was 70 nil. You watch. There'll be a couple scores like that. But I think it's when you get around the quarterfinals is when it's go time. And you're going to get some high so quality games. The cream rises. Yeah. And um, it, it will be competitive finals games too, I, I believe. But we'll obviously get into that today. Uh, like I said at the start, unfortunately, our boy Ryan Keith Clark couldn't be here today. Uh, and I have been teasing our episode with the International Rugby League Guru, Michael, guru, Michael Carboni from the Chasing Kangaroos Rugby League podcast. He'll be with us next week to review week one of the World Cup and preview week two of the World Cup. So we're really excited to have him on. Nick, you pumped about that? Yeah, pumped. Oh, yeah. Look, this week, it was supposed to be this week. We just had some scheduling issues, but never fear. Never fear. The show goes on and he will be on. And we're really excited. We'll also grab a little sideline story from as well from him as well. Bit of an interview at the start of the episode next week. So that's exciting. But Nicholas, yeah. Yeah. like I said, it's finally here. Uh, uh, a five-year wait instead of a four-year wait as well for this uh, for this tournament. But the pinnacle is ready to, co- to, to commence for the rugby league calendar. I believe it's the greatest tool, International Rugby League, to grow the game globally, Nick. That's the Rugby League World Cup. This is the greatest tool I think we can use. This and Origin are great tools to use, but I think the reach of the World Cup, on paper anyway, should be greater. I don't know, man. Origin's pretty big. It's massive. It's, a, it's the most unique fixture in any code, I think. Uh, because everyone likes rivalry and natural rivalry. But I think there's more growth in the international game, particularly when teams are competitive. And obviously you've got the emergence of Tonga from 2017. 
an emergence of some Samoa, I believe, in this tournament. Um, but you'll see some interesting things from some other minnow nations like Lebanon and Ireland. You, you know, it's the, the, the game just needs to embrace international league and turn it into a juggernaut, which it's untapped. It's untapped, Nick. It needs to be tapped because people like love this game. So that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, Nick. But anyway, today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we will be solely previewing the upcoming men's rugby league world cup tournament, which will be held in conjunction with the women's and wheelchair tournaments for the first time in its history. However, we're not going to focus on those, the the latter two. So we're going to take an in-depth look into groups A through to D for the men's tournament, uh, who we think will top each group, the most anticipated matchups, the best players to look out for, for each nation, and our predictions for quarterfinals, semifinals, the grand final, and finally, who we think will take out this year's Rugby League World Cup. We will then round out the episode with our special edition World Cup bunker review segment. We've got five topics. That's the end of the episode. Really excited to discuss them with Nick, but I'm not going to let you guys know what they are. You'll have to tune in to see that, or you can skip right to the end, whatever you want to do. But Nick, let's get straight into the main attraction of the World Cup, the highly anticipated men's rugby league World Cup tournament. Now, just some quick background information into the tournament itself and how things work very briefly. There are 16 teams in the men's rugby league World Cup tournament split into four groups of four. Each group plays three matches minimum in a round robin format with the top two from each group progressing to the quarterfinals. From there, it is a straight knockout with the eight quarterfinalists whittled down to four for the semis, then obviously two for the grand final, and then we will have a winner crowned after the grand final is played out. For those that are unaware, in January 2020, at Buckingham Palace, the Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry, who is now the ex-Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry, he conducted the official draw for the World Cup, which was a massive moment for the code of rugby league. COVID obviously hit a little over two months later and threw a massive span into the works regarding the international game. Mid-2021, tournament organisers and the Rugby League world were stunned when the Australian Kangaroos and the New Zealand Kiwis withdrew from the tournament, which was slated for the end of 2021 season. This nearly caused a complete cancellation of the tournament itself. However, it was ultimately determined that it be postponed for October of 2022. Nick, that was massive news. Remember last year? We were actually blowing up about that severely. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, it's October. Uh, the tournament is still branded the Rugby League World Cup 2021 tournament. Uh, it's slated to kick off this Sunday, October 16th at 12.30am. That's Australian Eastern Standard Time. With hosts England facing the strongest Samoan side ever named for their island nation. What we're going to do now, we're going to go through groups A, B, C and D. So Nick, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Group A. Now, what we're going to do as well is on the sideline story... Instagram and Facebook pages. We released a very comprehensive uh, and aesthetically pleasing looking uh, 
uh, outline of the group stages as well as the squads for each nation, the 24 man squads. They were broken, they were all broken down into what competition they play in as well. So go check that out if you haven't. But uh, we're going to start with Group A. Now, Nick, Group A consists of England, Samoa, France, and Greece. Now, briefly looking at the team lists and their draw, who do you think will be coming first, second, third, and fourth? I think Samoa will come first. Mm-hmm. England will come second. Uh, France will come third and Greece fourth. Okay. Why are Samoa going to top the group? Because they've obviously gone with uh, the strongest ever possible team I think they've ever named. You've got a massive Panthers contingent there. Uh, a lot of players reneging on Australia. Um, is that your main crux as to why yeah, they will look, I top just the group? That, yeah, they're, they're just um, – they've got someone decent in all positions. I'm actually picking England to top the group. The game – the opening games this weekend will determine who's going to be first, second, third, and fourth. You've got England facing Samoa, and you've got France playing Greece. I don't think Greece have enough – this is their debut uh, in, in a World Cup tournament. That's Greece. I don't think they'll have enough experience. They only have two NRL players in their team. That's uh, Lachlan Elias and Peter Mumbazellas from South Sydney Rabbitohs. They are very young. This is their first ever NRL season as well. So they've got some experience in that regard. Uh, But other than that, they don't have any Super League players backing them up. Uh, It's all lower-grade Australian players. France have picked a contingent of Catalans, Dragons, and Toulouse Olympic players. None are from the NRL. That is where they're going to fall short. I think they'll be a lot stronger than in previous years. Uh, The rejuvenation of France is coming. However, they will beat Greece, but they will not beat Samoa or England. I've gone with England, Nick. I think that they've got home ground advantage. Um, Samoa are... I think that they're, they're going to be very strong, very competitive, and they're going to develop as the tournament develops. So I'm going to pick England beating Samoa this weekend, which will then uh, – it will mean that England will top the group and Samoa will come second. Okay. That's my hot take. But it's going to be a cracking match. Now, Nick – which yes. player from each nation should our listeners and followers be looking out for? We'll start with um, Samoa because you've got them top in your group. Uh, I think the player that was probably going to be most influential for Samoa is probably going to be Jerome Luai. Um, he's going to be their half. Obviously, he's going to be running the show for them. Did you see? Um, did you see what Toto happened? From... Sorry, sorry, um, to cut you off. Did you see what happened on the news today with Jerome? Lloyd? No, I did not. Mate, no, he was he's been suspended. No, no, mate, he escaped suspension. Now, for those that are unaware, he was sanctioned by the uh, what do they call it? The integrity unit in the NRL yeah. for um, 
posting an apparent racial slur, uh, which which it is to some people. It's offensive to some. Uh, obviously, uh, some people were annoyed that he got sanctioned for it in the first place. I'm not going to repeat what the offensive slur is. Just Google it. Uh, mate, he's apologized, but the NRL haven't haven't sanctioned him in the sense of suspended games. So he's free to play for Samoa. Uh, and if he doesn't get suspended through this World Cup, he's free to play for the Panthers when he returns to Australia. So, yeah. yeah but sorry, you were saying, Brian Toto. Yeah, Brian Toto is, is the best winger in the world right now. So he'll also be pretty influential on... Uh, and I mean, obviously, they've got a massive forward pack. So. Mm. And, mate, you know what? He is the best winger in the, in the world right now. He's, he's insane. And their whole back line, yeah. besides... Suali'i, who's the apparent fullback, are all Panthers players. Yeah, true. So it's going to be pretty wild. Also on Samoa, before we move on to England, Liggy Sow from Hull FC, uh, your supported English Super League club, Guilty, by the way. Yeah. He's replaced Luciana Leilua, who is now on the no-fault stand-down policy in the NRL. As, again, for those that are unaware, he was arrested and charged for domestic violence related um, charges, I guess. And yeah, he's not allowed to play until court proceedings are finalized. So not good for Luciano, but you know, we'll just see how court plays out. eh, Nick. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, moving on to England, <clears throat> Nick. Yeah. It will be interesting to see who they use as their, um, in their main side of I'd like to see if uh, they they use the NRL players or they favour the Super League players. Uh, the player that I want to watch most in this game, or the, I think he will be the most favourable in this team, sorry, is going to be um, John Bateman. I want to see if he's still got it. Oh, mate. He copped a lot of flack for Wigan, and there's a lot of rumours of him returning to the NRL next year. And obviously he's got a history with, breaking contract early and, you know, causing clubs, you know, transfer fee pain. And, mate, he's, I think, look, he's a he's a great clubman. He's a great countryman, I believe. It would be interesting to see how he plays. I think he's going to have a good tournament, but you just never know, eh? The two other players, are the, like, obviously, there's, a, there's quite a few good players in this, uh, in this group. But I want to see how uh, Sam Tompkins goes, because obviously he... He failed when he came to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I want to see how Victor goes, the inflictor. Victor Radley from the Sydney Roosters. Mate, they are frothing over him. Now, in England, they're re- like their their media, they are really anal about outsiders, that being Australian-based players that didn't grow up in England, that have English heritage cracking the English rugby league team. And there was a lot of flack about the Victor, Victor Radley decision. And he's gone over there and just proven that he's probably their best player. And he shut a lot of them up. And, mate, anyone that doubts him, uh, do it at your own behest. Because, mate, he's going to be one of their best players. And he's going to, unless he gets suspended, obviously, but... If he doesn't get suspended, he's going to stand out for England 100%. Anyway. Yeah, right. Guilty. Uh, you've picked France to come third. Who's the player to look out for there? Uh, oof. Uh, 
And if you, you don't know, know you I don't, don't know. know. The, reason, the, reason I, the reason I picked them to come third was because they've just got a whole heap of players who play in the Super League together. Yeah, look, a lot and, of those... And, 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 and that Greece just don't. Greece have lower grades players, Joe. Yeah. Well, mate, look, obviously for Greece, you're going to be picking uh, Ilias and Mamazelis. They're, they're some beauties. Uh, you've got uh, Billy Sikrakis from the Canterbury Bulldogs who debuted this year for them. Uh, he's a little bit slow off the pace, but he's, you know, he's a he's a pretty pretty solid player, solid forward. Billy Magulius as well. Uh, for, he he was in Warrington, and halfway through he returned to the Newtown Jets. So, yeah, there there are a few uh, players that have first grade experience, but we are in France, and look, a lot of those players that are in the Super League they do play in the French League too, uh, so they're not full time Catalans or Toulouse Olympic players. But yeah, I just think France will pip Greece, but they will not be going any further than that. But that's it, Nick. You ready to move on to Group B? Yeah, Group B. Okay. To our listeners, in Group B, we have got Australia, Fiji, Italy, and Scotland. In order, Nick, from first to fourth, who have you got? And why? Okay, I've got Australia first, Fiji second, Italy third, Scotland fourth. Mate, I got the same. I've got Australia, Fiji, Italy, Scotland. Uh, look, Australia are going to. I think they're going to actually towel up Fiji. A lot of people think it's going to be a, a close game. I just don't see it happening, Nick. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on that. What, what do you think? Mate, I think it won't be a towel up. I think they'll win. I think Australia will win the whole thing. But I think the Appy Coristow makes a big, big difference for Fiji. Particularly coming like him and Vili Kikau coming off a grand final win and their experience is valuable. Uh, I think there's a couple of things I want to say about Fiji that are a little bit annoying from like, you know, my perspective. Uh, the Saifidi brothers and the Sims brothers, even Marcelo Montoya, they're not in the squad. And there's no reason given as to why they're not there. And to me, that's a bit sad because I don't think I've, I've said this to you before and Clarky before on multiple episodes of our podcast that, you know, plays that just pull out just because not good enough for me. And I know that they could have niggling injuries and whatnot, but you've got players playing in this tournament that have put off surgery to play in this tournament. So I don't know. Mate for Australia, uh, they've got 13 debutants, uh, which is a lot. It's the, the it's the most they've ever had for a tournament ever. And there's probably a reason as to why. COVID obviously didn't allow uh, any international footy for the last three years for Australia. Um, their whole side is NRL quality. So that's a big plus. The score lines that... that Australia are going to put on Italy and Scotland are going to be um, astronomical. They're playing like reserve grade teams. Italy are missing a lot of first graders. Players like Paul Vaughan, Daniel Alvaro, Trent Loiro from the Storm, Jake Clifford. Uh, there's just a, a few players that they could use just to like, you know, soften the blow, I guess. How come, uh, how come none of those players are playing, you know? It's another 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 
Saifidi and Sims brothers sort of excuse. There's no, there's no excuse, Nick. And I don't like yeah, it. Right. And they're minnow nations. Like, mate, if, if they were getting paid state of origin money, like the Australian players will be, I think they'll be playing. Don't you think? Um. Yeah, you would think though. Look, I don't, I don't know what the reasons are. What the reasons they've given, mm. mate. The Australian team was named. And I'm not going to go through it, but just as a note to the team that they named, uh, which you brought to my attention, Nick, there are no NRL Grand Final players that are going to play in the first game. So no Panthers and no Para players. Um. The game I'm excited to watch. Obviously, uh, I'm gonna I got a real soft spot for Italy. I know they haven't got a chance to win the tournament. Uh, is the Italy versus Scotland game? Now that's going to determine who comes third, just like in Group A with France and Greece. And I'm I am picking Italy. I am picking Italy. Scotland have a decent side. Like Ewan Aitken's their only NRL based player. But then you got players like Kane yeah, Lynette. Kane Lynette played played like you know a lot of NRL. Yeah, he did. And then you got players like James Bell, who just came off of St. Helens, you know, four Pete, and Matty Russell from Toulouse Olympic, who's another formidable winger. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting. But again, in the scheme of things, they're not going to be proceeding to or progressing to finals. So that's kind of where that stays. But for Scotland, Nick, just a bit of a note for them. Um, Lachlan Coote and Aaron Schwoop from the Bulldogs were both supposed to play, but they were actually ruled out due to injury. So they've got an excuse, Nick. Lock and Coot was out for a while and Aaron Schwoop's taken, you know, he's having surgery. But moving over to our heritage, Nick, yours and my heritage, uh, the boys, the the Azzurri boys. Uh, there's a couple of players that, that uh, I, uh, I, I'm sort of interested in seeing how they go. Yep. Uh, obviously, you've got, you know, Nathan Brown, just having played in the grand final for Para, um, but I, I, I there's, there's actually a few junior Parramatta fellas playing in that. Luca Morelli, he uh, played a few trials last year. I want to see how he's going to go. Yep. Brendan Santi, he's another one. He um he's playing for Keeley Cougars now, but he's a Parramatta junior as well. Man, he's gone on. He's gone around a bit, hasn't he? He was at the um, yeah. He was at the Tigers as well. Roosters as well at one point. Yeah. The, the captain the captains were named today and look I haven't got the list in front of me I'm gonna uh, make a social media post about it because they just got named but Nathan Brown to my understanding is leading out the He's the, captain, isn't he? the Italian boys yeah yep yeah right oh well pretty uh pretty not about he's a bit like uh, I guess it's a bit like Victor Radley for England yeah. two agro locks mate there's two players in this side uh that aren't household names which I'm really excited to look out for uh that's uh Joseph Tramontana from the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles and Ethan Natoli from the Newtown Jets. Uh, Tramontana, he is a nippy little hooker, very handy ball player, I think. Dummy half, sorry. Um, but Ethan Natoli is a player that I used to play against in Oztag. Never played with him. Was supposed to play with him and his brothers at the Oztag World Cup for Italy. However, they're obviously making grade. He plays for Newtown and that trumped Oztag because he gets paid. And I'm really excited to see how he goes because he's obviously a, you know, a bit of a gun player. So I'm excited to see them. 
But what I'm also interested in is that they've picked five players from the local comp. So I want to see them get a go. And the great thing about that, Nick, is that those players can take back what they learn and the experiences that they experience to their local comp and then spread the love, spread the word. That's what I like. So you're talking about the, the FIRL. Yes. Yes. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah, that is cool. BG, Nick, you said Api Corusau. For me, make a Siva, I want to see here he goes. There's quite a few sort of like semi Valamai from Canberra and um uh Ravalawa from uh, St. George. They've got and even where's uh, Kevin Naguama, they got they got they got some decent backs. Well you got Naguama and Kikiao uh leading the side. So really excited to see how that goes and bodes well because they're obviously very passionate for their island nation. So it's this is why it's the best, Nick. There's this there's this passion behind this tournament that you love to see. But yep. we're gonna move on to Australia now. There's a lot of players you can look out for here, but Nick, if you can narrow it down uh, to, to one. For me, obviously, um yeah, I can't wait to watch how uh, Valentine Holmes goes because I just I love this player and I want him to be in this side badly. Yeah. Interesting person to pick, Nick. Why did you pick Valentine Holmes, I wonder? Yeah. Mm, interesting. <laughs> um, for me personally, Regan Campbell-Gillard, I want to see how he goes. I want to see if he gets a start. Um, and, mate, uh, I can't wait to watch how Latrell goes in the centres. Look, I think by maybe the quarters, definitely by the semis, is when you're going to see which 17 that they're going to stick with for the grand final, if they make the grand final, which I'm going to obviously talk about when we get to our finals predictions but they're going to put their strongest side out for the semifinals. So that's when you might see RCG. Um, for my Nick, I'm obviously biased here. I cannot wait to see Matt Burton play a game uh, in the Australian colours. I think he deserves his spot. Obviously a lot of conjecture because it knocked out Nico Hines, who is the Dalian medalist, and Dylan Edwards, who's not versatile enough, according to Laurie Daly. Um, but I think I personally think they could have picked him and he could have played it on the wing and there wouldn't have been an issue in the world. Hmm. But, uh, even though I'll get uh, shouted down for this, I think uh, Lindsay Collins and Murray Talangi are very lucky to be in the side. Hmm. I'm I'm with you. To be fair, I'm with you. But look, it's interesting to see. Uh, the battle between halves, somehow, some way, there is a battle there between Cherry Evans and Cleary. I don't believe, I don't believe Cleary should, it should be daylight after him really, but they're doing this supposed battle for the number seven jersey or not really the number seven jersey because they've changed it. But that is something I'm going to address in the bunker review because there's a lot of confusion as to why the numbers are one to 24, a lot of confusion. And I'm going to clear it up in the bunker review, Nick. But let's move on, shall we, to Group C. So, Nick, our participants in Group C are as follows. We have New Zealand, Ireland, Lebanon, and Jamaica. Very interesting mix of nations here. Jamaica are debuting, for those that are not aware. Very exciting time for their, uh, I guess, fledgling nation. Uh, in rugby league, uh, for that matter, 
uh, really exciting stuff to see. But unfortunately, I think they're going to uh, get the wooden spoon in this group. Nick, uh, do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think they're going to get the wooden spoon full stop. <laughs> but I'm really excited to see them nonetheless. It's great to grow the game this way, you know, expanding to 16 teams. You need to get these sides in the right mindset and give them the hope that they can develop. It's going to take them decades, but this is where it starts. This is how you can change, you know, a nation into loving the sport, which we've loved since we were born, Nick. But um, topping the group for mine is obviously New Zealand. I think they're going to be fantastic this tournament as opposed to 2017. But the real question is, who is going to come second, Nick? Is it going to be Ireland or Lebanon? Mate, um, I just think that uh, with the spine that uh, Lebanon have versus what Ireland have, um, I'm I'm thinking Lebanon. Mate, I am picking Lebanon. That's That's a great reason. I think they actually have a very solid spine, Lebanon, Uh, you know, Karaz is in the back, Dewey and Mitchell Moses in the halves. They've got Khaled Rajab from the Canterbury Bulldogs, who used to play Oztag at Homebush, by the way, Nick, just FYI. Um, he is in the 5'8th role for the Bulldogs and he's a very good player. Uh, they think they're going to, you know, sub him in uh, somewhere in the backs just to get him on the field. Uh, they're... Their hooker, I don't know who's going to go hooker for them, but their back line is very solid. It's their forward pack, which is going to let them down in the long run, particularly, um, you know, against stronger opposition come quarterfinals, which we think they're going to make. But don't write off Ireland, Nick. Luke Keary being in their side is a big plus and they do have a fair amount of super league players in their team too. So that's going to be a fantastic game. That's going to be a very great game to watch Lebanon Island. Cause that's the battle for second and Ireland yes. and Lebanon will fire up. I'm telling you now it's going to, I reckon there'll be a fight <laughs> legit. Yeah. Right. Mate, I reckon I, I'm actually really G'd up for that game. Like that is a game people need to watch Lebanon and Ireland. That is the game because that's not for third or fourth. That's for second and third. That's where it's gonna. That's where it's gonna kick off. Yeah, they're quite evenly matched as well. If you go through the sides. But anyway, Nick. Yo. We'll start with New Zealand, who are topping the group. You look at their team on paper, and they have a fucking cracking side. Is Manu, got... is Manu back from injury? Yes. You got Joey Manu at fullback. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah. He he he's at he'll be at fullback. You got Jerome Hughes and um potentially Kieran Foran, Dylan Brown as your halves. Then you got Brandon Smith as your hooker and Jeremy Marshall King coming off the bench potentially as well. Isaiah Papali'i, yeah. James Fisher Harris there, um Murata Nia Kore, Moses Leoda, Scott Sorensen, they're all coming off a grand final. Joe Warrior yeah. Hargraves is a massive, massive prop forward. They've got a, from one to 13, they're going to have 
quality across the park. And I know that Australia had it, and I didn't go into Australia like I have with New Zealand. That could be a bias, but they're they're they're. I think they've got a lot to prove because they failed that last World Cup in 2017. Failed miserably. Yeah. Um, mate, I'd say they've probably got the strongest side to be honest. It is a strong side, but who's who's their man, Nick? Who's their number one? Um, I'd say it's gonna be Manu. Yeah, I'm with you. I Manu love that. I love that bloke. To be. I love Dylan, him. Dylan Brown and um, Brandon Smith are gonna be uh, other major players, and they've got they've got some serious experience here with Peter Hiku as well. You know. Oh, and someone I didn't mention is Joseph Tapine or Tarpanay. He's a freak. He was he was our player of the year. And it, you know what? Yeah, so he played lock, he played lock for them in the um the half yearly game. Mate, you know what? I ran a poll, Nick, this week. I compared the Dalian winner of Nico Hines to the RLPA winner of James Tedesco to the sideline story MVPs being Cameron Munster and Tapine or Tarpanay, which however you pronounce it, and I apologize if I pronounced it wrong. But um you know, it was a straight draw between all three. All right. So straight that, draw. No. Crazy, yeah, eh? Yeah. That is crazy. Anyway, we'll move on to Lebanon, uh, the team we've got coming second. I'm going to guess who, who the player is that uh, we need to we need to give a plug to here. Um, the famous West Tigers superstar, <laughs> Adam Dewey. Adam Dewey, is he our boy or is it someone else, Nick? Um, look, I was going to say Mitchell Moses because I think he's been the most influential this year. Lebanese mm. player that's been the most influential. But um, <laughs> everyone who listens to our podcast knows that we all think that Adam Dewey is a pretty special player as well. So, <laughs> mate, having having a half and five eight in that calibre is pretty good. Yep. Um, It'll be interesting to see how how you know how smick their ball the ball service our dummy half is it to I think Jacob Carras is playing fullback. Yeah, it could be him. It could it could be Dewey. Uh, you know, because they've got Mansour and Abbas Miski on the wings. Uh yeah, likelihood of Carras being the fullback is high. Um, but like I said, Khaled Rajab from the Bulldogs, he could play fullback, but I don't think that's where his position is. I think he's a five eight. But see what they do. Ireland, Nick. Um, obviously Luke Keary, he's there. He's going to be the player that it all runs runs around. Um, if you can shut him down, that's a pretty much game game over. Yeah. Um, look, Harry Harry Rushton, it wasn't didn't he recently play at Canberra? Yes, that, he did. That Harry Rushton. Yes, it is. So Harry Rushton and Jamin Jolliffe, they're they're pretty decent forwards. So. Uh, yeah, look, but the the facts are that you know Luke Keary is their um their linchpin. We'll see how he goes, you know. Oh, mate, he's he's my he's my boy there, like to look out for, and and props to him for going over and committing to Ireland. He's very passionate, um, as you can see in his interviews. Uh, and Jamaica, Nick, uh, they only have um a handful of Super League players. The rest of Championship or League One players, and a few Jamaican Rugby League players are coming over as well. But who's your guy there? I want to see what uh, Dominic Young's brother's like, Alex Young. Now, I know yeah. he's not going to be a but he's meant to be pretty good. Yeah. As far as I was aware, Dominic Young was playing for him. Yep. Obviously, things change when you make the English side. Yep. 
Yeah, we'll I forgot to um, I forgot to bring up actually a couple of notes about um, Lebanon and Ireland uh, that I should have brought up when I was talking about him. Uh, Lebanon obviously missing Alex Twal. He still uh, stood down uh, due to his ongoing concussion. concussion protocols. Yes, that's unfortunate because he would have been great for their forward pack. Uh, they're just going to have to rely on some lower grade players there, um, albeit some good ones. Just um, yeah, a bit more of experience would have a bit more experience would solidify that team. Uh, but for Ireland, Nick, I don't know if you saw this. Um, Michael Ward is a player from the Batley Bulldogs who is yep. turning out for Ireland. Uh, Batley Bulldogs are, for those that don't know, the team that lost in the million pound game in the championship division to qualify for the Super League this year. Uh, they got bounced by Lee Centurions. Mate, he was interviewed by the Ireland um, media team. And he said that to play for Ireland and to chase his dreams to play for them in a World Cup, he resigned as a teacher. That's how much it meant to him. And I think yeah, that's right. commendable. I think it's I think that's amazing to be fair. Nick. Yeah. So Michael Ward from the Championship League. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna have an eye out on him as well. Uh, because I've uh yeah, I've Grown a love for what he's, why he's representing them. So good on him. Yeah, I love that. His values. I love it because yeah, I think people that have done it before will understand. All those that are passionate about it would understand uh, what it means to them, and they've got their reasons why, and that's why the international game trumps all, Nick. That's why. But anyway, Group D, we have Tonga, Papua New Guinea. Wales and the Cook Islands. Nick, who have you got first, second, third, and fourth? Okay, I've got Tonga first. I don't think they're going to be as strong as um last World Cup, mm -hmm. but um, they're going to be up there. I've got uh, PNG second. I really liked how they played against uh, <laughs> Fiji halfway through this year. Yep. Um, I've got... Uh... Oh, who... Who's left? Uh, Cook Islands probably. Yep. There's a few uh, a few decent first graders in that side, and um, they're all young as well. Oh, that's not too Tepo Maroa. He's a he's a bit older. Yeah, he is. Um, you've got that young um, you've got that young back from Cronulla. Uh, Kale Kale, Little. Is it Kyle 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 Oro? Yep. Well, his dad. His dad's the coach. Dad. That's yeah. coaching. Yeah, Tony, but, but Tony he's, he's tipped for big things. Be interesting to see how Brad Takarangi and Dylan Napa go. Your mate, your um, mate Brad Takarangi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good that he's playing for the Cook Islands and not New Zealand. You know, mm -hmm. he's really made a decision there because <laughs> I don't think he'd make the New Zealand side anyway. But anyway, um, and uh, yeah, can't wait to see how um, Zane Tedavano goes as well because he was a bit of a bit of a hard man favourite when he was playing at the Roosters. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Wales coming last, obviously. I've got the same. Uh, Tonga, I think, uh, with their emergence in 2017, it was fantastic. Uh, they beat New Zealand that tournament. And then in 2019, they defeated Great Britain, not England. It was Great Britain when Wayne Bennett was running them. Yeah. And Australia, which was fair game. Australia had one of the strongest sides they've ever named in recent history. Um, yeah. 
and they defeated him fair and square and it was a watershed moment and then COVID hit and fucked everything, fucked the momentum. Not completely fucked everything. Just It just fucked the momentum of international rugby league because they were on a high after that 2017 World Cup, the emergence of Tonga, you know, the other nations sort of catching on going, hey, wait a minute, we can do something here. Anyway, I think they're still going to be very strong, Nick. Uh, they've got a majority NRL um, uh, contingent side with Lola Hia, Will Hopawati and Conrad Hurrell from the Super League. And they've got Isaiah Katoa and Sony Luke from the Penrith Panthers lower grades teams. Christian Wolf has a lot of experience in winning. Uh, he's led them. He's led Tonga to the promised land. He's led St. Helens to three straight victories of the four. Uh, they're going to be very formidable, but I think their matchup against Papua New Guinea is going to be fantastic. That's another game where whoever wins that match will come first. Similarly, whoever wins out of Wales and Cook Islands will be coming third. For Papua New yeah. Guinea, Xavier coach Justin Olam and Alex Johnston, three fantastic players from the NRL that are turning out for their heritage nation. <clears throat> they went over to Papua New Guinea prior to going to England to give back to the community there. Uh, and that's uh, commendable considering that they're going through a bit of a civil war over in that country. So um, awesome to see. It is their national sport at the end of the day, uh, which is the only country that has rugby league as their national sport. So great support over in Papua New Guinea. Reese Martin from the Super League is the other first grader that's going to be turning out for them. The rest are majority Queensland Cup players. Uh, you've also got Nana McDonald, Lachlan Lamb, and Edwin Ipape from the Lee Centurions. They are actually first grade players, despite the fact they played in the championship division. So yeah. I'm really excited to see Papua New Guinea. I'm not going to write them off against Tonga. Papua New Guinea can beat Tonga. So that's a game to look out for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I still think I still think uh, Tonga, Tonga are the team to beat. I just wouldn't be surprised if Papua New Guinea beat them. It will be exciting to watch that match. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be very close. Put it that way. Um, yeah. Similar with Cook Islands and Wales, know. man. I think Cook Islands will towel up Wales. Or not towel up. They'll beat Wales. Wales are in the group of death. Unfortunately, they're going to get toweled up. Uh, the only player that I can kind of identify um, as a formidable player in, to, in my eyes is Caleb Akins, who plays for the Lee Centurions. He used to be an NRL player uh, for the Canberra Raiders and I think Penrith Panthers, but he just could not crack the first grade side. That's why he went over yeah, to England. He was a, he was a fullback and um, he, uh, he he came and played a few games off the bench for the Raiders. Um, for, for, no, 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 for Edwards. Um, oh, when Edwards yeah, was injured Panthers. a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so he played first grade at, um, he played first grade at Penrith and then um, he went over to the Raiders and I think they expected him to be there their um great white hope um at fullback but then what happened was um i think charms nicole clockstat sort of put his hand up and and pushed him out of the side yeah and then he headed off over, overseas and then savage emerged this year so no room for yeah, him that's, right. that's why clockstat's gone to the, the warriors the the only thing i can say for wales as well is they try to get tyson frizzell now for those that don't know tyson frizzell debuted in the international game for Wales in 2013 
that World Cup, which was held in the UK and France. Uh, but he didn't uh, pledge his allegiance to anyone, not even Tonga, because apparently he was going to play for Tonga as well, but didn't didn't happen. So I don't know what's happened there. Um, and then you've got the Cook Islands. Now, they've got <clears throat> a pretty decent side. Uh, could be stronger if a few other players are. Uh, Turned out for them, i.e. Valentine Holmes. Didn't happen. Uh, they're going to be a decent side. I'd love to see the Cook Islands get, you know, like Joey Manu and um, Jordan Rapana. Um, again, Valentine Holmes. They've, they've got Cook Islands players littered through the NRL. However, they're not turning out for their nation yet. So one day, well, guys, hopefully they get the same as Tonga and Samoa. Anyway. Now, Nick, we have made our predictions pretty similar. The only difference we've got in our top eight is, um, or sorry, our quarterfinalists is Samoa and England finishing first and second for you. And I've got England and Samoa. But this is what we're going to move on to now. The finals. Now, I've got a bit of a, got a, bit of a bugbear here, but let me just say what I need to say and I'll get into it. So the Rugby League World Cup tournament organisers for the first time in history that I can remember anyway, conducted the draw live and they televised it. This was to ensure transparency and fairness for the pool game matches. Now, somehow, some way, they found a way, like every other tournament, to manipulate the draw to favor certain nations this year, we've got 16 teams, which is the first time they've ever done it. The top two qualify for each from each pool. It's very simple, but this is where my theory of manipulation comes in again. And it grinds my gears. So try and follow on with me here, Nick, because it might yep. be confusing if I don't explain it properly. I'll do so, my best. The winner of let let's say for argument's sake we'll go off we'll go off um, my draw. So the winner of Group A being England will face the second place in Group D, being Papua New Guinea. Yeah, so England will versus Papua New Guinea, and then the winner yeah. of Group D being Tonga will face the second place of Group A being Samoa. So England will face Papua New Guinea and Tonga will play Samoa. The winners of those matches then face each other again. So you could face a team that came second in your pool in the semifinal. They don't cross over to groups B or C after you win your quarterfinal. So what that so what that means, and so you're following on, right? So what that means is let's just say England and Tonga win their quarterfinal England will play Tonga in the semifinal. So they've manipulated the draw in my opinion for England to have an easier run because on the other side of the draw, if it goes by script, Australia and New Zealand can only face each other in the semis. They cannot possibly face each other in the grand final. So that cannot be the grand final, Nick. If you're going off, if you're going off favorites, um, England and Tonga can only play each other in the semis and Australia and New Zealand can only play each other in the semis. Therefore, the grand final 
could only be England or Tonga versus Australia or New Zealand. That's if you're going off favourites, yeah. winning the quarters. You know what I mean? So yeah. what we're going to do now is I'm going to go back to who you have picked in your top eight or your quarter finalists. And one by yeah. one, we're going to eliminate each team, progress other teams, and then get to the final. So <clears throat> in game one, group A's winner was Samoa. That's your prediction. Versus group uh, D's second placed opponent. So that's Papua New Guinea. Who's winning out of Samoa and Papua New Guinea, Nick? Um, I think Samoa. And in the second game, you've got Tonga topping Group D and England coming second in Group A. Who have you got progressing in that match? Uh, that's a so Tonga versus England. England, did you say? Mm-hmm. That's a bit harder. I think I think the English think that they're going to win. I think that's going to be a really tough game. For both sides. Who have you got? Uh, you know what? I'll go England. Home ground advantage, my friend. I think they've got it too. Now, on the other side of the draw, topping Group B, you've got Australia. And then yep. coming second in Group C, you've got Lebanon. Yep. Obviously, Australia going through. Yep. Yeah, of course. Mate, you know what? I think that game will be... I think it'll be a good watch, to be fair. I think it'll be... A tough game for Australia. They'll win it, but I think it will be a tough, tougher than you know, tougher than what people. Mate, I think it's just about the four. It's about the Fords, though, man. Like the Fords, just you know, will get dominated for Lebanon, and yeah, you know, I think so I think so too. And Australia will be able to rotate and rest the proper players. So Lebanon need to go in that game thinking they're going to win. They can't get scared of Australia. They just need to go out there and go hard, ruffle some feathers. I think. Mate, in the fourth and final quarterfinal, you have New Zealand topping Group C versus Fiji coming second in Group B. Who have you got going yeah, through there? New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay. Semi-final number one, Samoa and England. Samoa. Ooh. Okay, Nick. Mate, I, I think Samoa has got the best... Other than New Zealand and Australia, I think Samoa's got the best roster. Fair enough. Fair enough. I want to well, argue la, with you. La, last, last World Cup, I would have said Tonga, but this this is now I'm saying Samoa. That's why I believe Samoa and Tonga should be tier one nations because, you know, I think that if you look at that side, they're, they're brilliant. Yeah, it's a whole, other, a whole other kettle of fish that we've already argued about, Nick, that tier one thing. We're I'm not going to do it again. I'm gonna <laughs> not going to do it again. I'm going to bring it up over and over. Yeah. The other semi-final, fantastic matchup, which, you know, by all accounts will happen. Australia versus New Zealand. Uh, look, I think whoever wins will win the World Cup. I'll say Australia. It's going to be a fucking massive game. We know it's going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not, I'll hold my, I'll hold my uh, thoughts till later. And then Samoa, Australia, you've picked Australia, yeah? Yeah, whoever wins in New Zealand, I think New Zealand or Australia will win whoever wins that. And and Samoa will be the team that loses. Because I think Samoa will beat England. Yeah. Mate, that would mean that Australia wins their 12th World Cup out of 16, I think it is. Great Britain's won three 
and New Zealand's one one off memory. Yeah, yeah, I well, think that's well, right. Like I said, if if if, if whoever wins the Australian New Zealand game, that's going to be the game that dictates who wins the World Cup. That's my opinion. Which is fair. That's very I fair. I haven't seen a I haven't seen a stronger New Zealand side to be honest for oh, a long time. Their New Zealand side is fantastic. It's so it good. Pack like if you look through that forward pack, you've got James Fisher Harris and um, Joseph Tarpanay. Um, no, Tarpanay played lock in the yeah. mid-season game. So yeah, Tarpanay actually, played lock, and they had uh, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Bromwich, and then you had uh, Kenny Bromwich on one as one second rower, and he he looked like the weakest uh, member of the forward pack, and he he played. He was probably the best forward out there, mm. and you had Papalihi on the other side. They're, they're and got, gun, you know, man. Playing, you got Brandon Smith playing hooker, and like even the guys coming off their bench, they're you know, you've got uh, Nelson coming off the bench, they're, 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 and their halves, and and Joey Manu. Let's face it, if he was a um, if he was playing for anyone bar the Sydney Roosters, he'd be playing fullback, and um, he'd be considered one another one of the best players in the world. Like he, I think he's up there with you know. Look, I personally think he's – look, this is controversial. I think he's just as good a fullback as James Tedesco. Joey Manu is a freak. <laughs> I'm not yeah. – it might be controversial to some, but not me. I, I, yeah, well, everyone everyone talks about James Tedesco being the best player in the world. I think that, you know, every time James Tedesco gets injured and Joey Manu plays fullback, they don't miss a beat. No. Mate, um, I'll quickly go through my, my games. So I've got England versus Papua New Guinea, England progressing through. I've got Tonga versus Samoa in one quarter final, which will be a cracking game. I've got Samoa winning it. I've got Australia Lebanon with Australia winning and New Zealand Fiji with New Zealand winning. Yeah. Okay. My first yeah, semifinal, okay. my first semifinal, Nick, is England versus Samoa. I've got England progressing. Yep. And then I've got Australia versus New Zealand with New Zealand progressing i don't think australia's going to win this world cup nick i don't think australia's okay. going to make the final nick for the first time in yeah. fucking god knows how long 19 but you know what they've probably made every final now well, like i said the, the best two sides are new zealand and australia i think and it's a shame that they've they've sort of uh geared it that, that those two sides can't can't play in the grand final because they're the best two sides I, I'm with you, but I'm kind of glad as well. Mate, England, England. for those that don't remember, in 2017, lost to Australia in the 2017 World Cup, 6-0. Boyd Cordner scored a try in like the 20th minute, and that was it. And it was, yeah. it, was, it, was a, it was a fucking mad game. It does not get recognized as high as it should. But similar in the other, oh, man, Tonga's emergence was crazy. Like the best atmosphere in a rugby league game I've ever seen in my life when they lost to England. Uh, pretty much on the bell, even though they had a comeback uh, in Auckland, 30,000 people at Mount Smart Stadium, which was over capacity. Um, yeah, I just, I truly don't, be- I truly believe New Zealand will trump Australia in that semi final. Um, this time round, Nick, which is great for rugby league, there are five genuine sides that could win it Tonga being the fifth next to Samoa, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and England. That's, that's, <clears throat> that's a good thing for the game. But I've got England and New Zealand as my grand final, and I've got New Zealand winning their second World Cup. Nicholas Guild, this is our World Cup special edition bunker review, uh, the segment for our discussions. 
my friend. I love the bunker review. Our fans love the bunker review. Let's start with topic number one, insurance for players participating in this year's Rugby League World Cup. Apparently, the NRL have opted to only cover NRL players representing the Australian Kangaroos only for this World Cup tournament. This means that NRL contracted players must rely on their nation to cover their insurance. That's a nation other than Australia. The question is, is this an NRL problem, a problem for all other competing nations, or the Rugby League World Cup tournament organisers? Nick? Um, look, I think that some nations are, are more uh, richer, I guess, than others. Yep. And I don't like the idea of, uh, like, especially Australia saying things like, oh, we're only going to cover the Australian team. when. Um, the NRL have enough stake in the game to be able to ban players from the tournament or use it as a period. Like Jason Tamalolo has got to have weeks off in this tournament. Mm. So why why can Australia say that you're going to have weeks off if they're not going to like uh, pay for the pay for Would the you? insurance of the players that play in their league? It doesn't make any sense, mate. You know what? That's a fucking great point. <laughs> That I don't, you know, I don't think anyone's even brought that up. Okay, that, so I, I just think that if, if they've got enough stake in the game to have to have enough power to say, okay, that's uh, that's um, we're 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 gonna we're gonna influence it enough to, to say certain players can't play at certain periods. Hmm. Well, you know, they should be they should be paying for those those uh those players. Look, I think anyone who plays in the Super League, England, the English League, should worry about. Anyone who plays in um, that, <coughs> and and I'm including like the French players as well. Like I mean, I'm not expecting France to pay. You're talking about Catalans and Toulouse, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look, if we go down to Greece, let's say Greece is a funny one, right? Because you got you got pretty much two NRL players, and then you got like a, a whole heap of players who who really don't play in um it, like they play lower grades. So, look, obviously, Australia covers um, Lachlan Ilias and Peter Mamazoulis. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I guess Greece are asked to fit the bill for, for the players that, that don't play in those, those, uh, those, two, those, those two players. Or, or in saying that, if you've got players like, like uh, the lower grades players, well, they should be covered as well. Because what's going to happen is with the... Um, with the, this tournament, it's going to unearth players that wouldn't normally get a chance. So NRL teams are going to pinch those players that they see play well. Do you know what I mean? Mate, Jerome Luai's debut, televised debut, was for Samoa. Yeah. So, look, I, look, I'm just saying that let's let's just say, look, I'm just picking a name out. Just say John Mitzias, who plays yep. for the Magpies. Yep. I, I don't even know him. I've never seen him play. Play, I'm just saying, I'm just picking picking a name out. Just say he comes out and just kills it in one of the games against, I don't know, who's in their, who's in their pool. Just say he France. kills it against Samoa. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's say he kills it against France or Samoa. Look, you know what? Like People will be then watching him for the rest of the tournament. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You don't think, you don't think um, 
the the World Cup tournament organisers have a have a stake in this, or do you think they're exonerated? Do you think it should be up to the? Uh, look, you know what? Look, look, look. I just don't think it's it's. Look, it's either either, but it's not up to the individual countries to go. Okay, where you know, like who's making the money? Who's making the money on this? Obviously, oh. someone's making money. They're not running at a loss. No, no, no. Then it goes back into the international game. So the tournament, the tournament makes money. And then obviously, yeah, that's right. X Y Z X Y Z organizers get paid what they earn, and then they go, "Here's the rest for the international game to, you know, grow the game." That's the whole point of a fucking World Cup. And uh, the thing is, like, okay, let's say they insure players. So obviously, like, whoever does the insurance, the Australian players, and New Zealand players, and you know, the English players, and uh, let's say the Samoan players, they're going to be worth a little more, even if they are, you know, because they're the teams that are going to be playing more games. Hmm. So a team like Italy, you know, look, they're, they're not going to be playing, look, as far as I can see, they're not going to be playing more than just their pool yeah. or a team yeah. like Scotland. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the, the amount they're insuring them for, they, surely they can insure them by the game. Yeah. No, I'm, you've convinced me. You've actually, you, you've actually convinced me. So that, that, that point about um, the NRL having such a stake in the game that they can suspend players from this tournament, which is another bugbear that we've brought up before. Uh, to then go, actually, no, nah, we're just going to ensure Australia. It's like you actually take care of majority of the players participating in this tournament, and you're just going to be like, nah, sorry, champ. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't, I don't like that. Look, look, I don't know enough about who who would ensure. Like, I don't know who does it for soccer. I don't know if each each country does their own. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I just don't think this sport's big enough. You no. know, like if I was comparing it to soccer, we're not a big enough sport, and mm. I don't think it's a matter. Like why can't Australia, the Australian Rugby League, cover the Samoan players? That's a, that's mean? that's the 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 most vital point you can bring up because we aren't as big as FIFA, nowhere near. Um, we're yeah. a blip on the radar. Rugby League is a blip on the radar in the world game compared to FIFA. Like can't even compare them. So anyway, we'll move it on. Playing numbers. Now I'm gonna explain this because. I don't think many people know this. They think that this, what's, what I'm about to talk about is just Australia. But fun fact, it is not. So here we go, Nick. The Rugby League World Cup have adopted what major football or soccer tournaments have been doing for decades. Allowing nations to select squad numbers to allocate to their players. This means... Any number between 1 to 99 can be printed as a player's number. The catch is that once a number is allocated to a player, it is their number throughout the entire tournament. You cannot change it. This practice opposes the rugby league tradition of playing numbers dictating the place position on the field. Each jersey as well, just as a side note, will have the player's surname printed on the back. That's just a side note. Now, what's been publicised in the media for the last week is regarding Australia, who have uniquely adopted a take on the team's playing numbers for this World Cup. And it was met with pretty much only criticism. So for those that don't know, the Australian body have allocated jersey numbers between 1 to 24 to its players based on their kangaroo test experience with number one being the 
most experienced and number 24 being the least experienced. However, numbers 12 to 24 are all debutants. So anyway, Matty Johns, Phil Gould, even the Australian head coach, Mia Meninga, are just a handful of pundits who have lost it over this initiative, stating that changing jersey numbers has ruined a tradition that should never have been tampered with. Guilty, your thoughts? Well, it's been played in England, all right? Yes. And um, they they don't have they don't do the jersey thing that we do here, do they? In the, uh, the in the Super League, League, in the Super League, and in the English Premier League, which is the uh, the most watched soccer competition in the world, you get no, a no, number. No, not soccer, no, not soccer, not soccer, but in. No, the Super in League the, of the... England, of Rugby League, the Super League, yeah. Rugby League, and the Premier League of Soccer in England, both codes yeah. in England, yeah. you get a squad number for the whole season. Okay. Well, look, obviously, that's that's it's being played in England, so it's their rules. Um, and no dramas. They can do it that way. I don't think they're, look, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. I think I'm a traditionalist. I want the, you know, I want the halfback wearing seven. I want the fullback wearing one. And I want, you know, the props wearing eight and ten. The hooker wearing nine, but look, if that's the way they want to do it, that's fine. Just when it comes down to Australia, or if we hold it in, you know, whenever we hold it, we'll just change it back to the way that we do things. Hey, that's that's a good point. But what people need to understand is they think that only Australia have done have have changed the numbers. It's actually the world, the Rugby League World Cup tournament organizers have told every nation, and apparently they gave everyone time to vote and Australia did not vote by the way they gave everyone time to vote and say look this is what we're putting forward squad numbers <clears throat> you pick yeah. you can your you can choose however you wish but the player has to have a number that will last the whole tournament so Australia said well we're doing 1 to 24 based on experience that's what people are getting the shits over. But what people don't remember, aren't, aren't, aren't taking into account is that England and New Zealand and Cook Islands and Wales and Fiji and Italy and everyone, every other nation will have squad numbers. It just depends on what they want, how they want the numbers to be selected. So, that, so for example, England could be like Tommy Mackinson, what's your favourite number? He could be like 38 and they go, okay, that's your number. <clears throat> that's your number for the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, ridiculous. Look, I, I don't like it, but but like I said, it's their decision. Mm. Um, I think it's weird, you know. It's going to be weird for rugby league. It's going to be weird for rugby league. It's going to be weird for Australian, <clears throat> Australian fans. It won't yep. be weird for the Poms because they're used to it. And, mate, look, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think we said it in, like, the first three episodes of the podcast in season one. You've got the surnames on the back, which is a great initiative, great for marketing. And the number on the back is just as big a marketing tool as the name. So I'm not, now that I've learned that every nation actually gets to pick their numbers, I'm actually not against it. I thought it was just Australia initially. That would just, we're just going to change our numbers, which made no sense to me. Because once Mao Meninga got the shits, I was like, why has he got the shits? Like, surely he was in on this conversation, but it's yeah, a, a it's a tournament it's, it's a tournament decision. So, yep, I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. 
Well, you, you, I know, Dan, we've talked about this, whether it was this year or last year, we've talked about numbers on jerseys and, and me and Clark, you were both definitely yeah, uh, 1 to 17 and you, you're quite happy with moving in the direction where you can have number 23 because you like Michael Jordan. For but, uh, it's um, for marketing purposes, by the way, because, you know, but surnames, surnames I'll, I will suffice, but for marketing purposes, the number is a great tool, I think, for jersey sales and stuff like that and identifying players. Yeah, so when James Tedesco wears number one, mm. there'll be plenty of people who buy the jersey. Yeah, but I am also of the traditionalist caliber too. I do like one to 17, but there's... When you see, when you see just say, I oh know, and I'm pretty sure Tedesco is wearing number one, but just say Tedesco was number 19. It'd look ridiculous. I think, anyway, you know what? I think I'm content with it being in tournaments like the World Cup because they only go for a month, not eight months like, you know, the NRL does. So, yeah. I'm content with it. Look, I just think that if we come back to Australia, we should we just change it back. We go, okay, you do it your way yeah. it for the uh, World Cup. We do it this way in Australia. Boom. Well, guess what? The next World Cup is in France in 2025. So that'll be interesting to see yeah, what they do. I'll probably do the same thing the Poms do. <laughs> I'd, I'd, rec- I'd imagine so. But anyway, next topic, Nick. On-field rule changes. And again, something we've addressed before, which I dislike because the international game is different to Super League, which is different to the NRL in regards to on-field rules. So the Rugby League World Cup obviously adopt the international laws, uh, meaning that some NRL rules will not apply during this tournament. And they are as follows. There are no two-point field goals. How do you feel about that? Couldn't care less. I'm with you. The next one. The set restart rule, they will be awarded for ruck infringements only and will be awarded anywhere on the field. So this is the 2020 version of the six again rule. What do you think about that? So this is the one that we didn't mind. This is the one when they first brought it in. So offsides aren't aren't a six again. Yeah. Look, it's not as good as it is now, but it's not as bad as 2021. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. When I first saw that, I was like, fuck, no, it's going to be Australia will smack everyone. But it's the 2020 version. So the English the English players are used to it because they do have that in the Super League. Yep. Uh, the World Cup will adopt for the first time the captain's challenge. What yeah, look, I'm not a big fan. I don't like the captain's challenge, though. So. Mm, neither do I. I'm I'm turned right off that fucking thing. Uh, this one's a good one, Nick. Very interesting one. <clears throat> Maybe we need to hit up Dr. X for this one. Uh, if a player fails a HIA and is deemed to be concussed, they will have a mandatory 11-day stand-down period. <clears throat> this is also the case in the Super League. But in the NRL, the protocol is six days. What do you think of that? Yeah, um, look, I think that they're ahead of us then. If that's what they've got, I think that's a smart move. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just having some water. <clears throat> yeah, Actually, mate. Uh, I'll just bring something up quickly. Mm. Uh, did you see anything about the Mario Fennec thing, the recent Mario Fennec thing? Yes, yes. Okay, well, look, I think they're just, that that's just an example of, um, um, you know, how we've got to start looking after brains a bit better. 
Yep. And I think look, I was discuss. I, I haven't seen it. The honest truth is, I didn't see it. But my brother was uh, telling me about it today, and he was explaining that um, they used both uh, Mario Fennick and Jeff Fennick, who aren't related, but both obviously Maltese background Australian Australian athletes. Mm. And it, was, it showed you that, that Mario is in a far worse situation playing rugby league than Jeff is as a boxer. Mm, that is very interesting, actually. Mate, there's a big um lawsuit or case in England sport English sport right now in regards to um concussion and the safety protocols or lack or their lack thereof from the English codes, that being yep. soccer union and league. <clears throat> a case is forming and they're worried that every code's gonna get hit financially. Um despite the fact that league, the Super League is ahead of the NRL at the moment. So that's a worry for every collision sport now is the managing of concussion. And again, as if we refer to our correspondent, Dr. X, there's just not enough information surrounding this um, issue. Yeah, there's not enough information, but his indication was that what we're doing isn't good enough. Yeah, that's true. So there's not true. enough information, but but we're 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 way behind the eight ball on on that, and and it just seems like you talk about rules on the run. There's definitely rules on the run with regards to this for rugby league because the worry is obviously that you know you've got players going into finals all of a sudden in the major semi a star goes down with a head injury, and there's no way they don't want them to play in the grand final. They want them to play in the grand final. So oh yeah, we're sweet. There was no 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 lasting side effects. Yep. Anyway, uh, the last rule change: suspensions. Nick, they will carry a higher threshold due to the weight of games that the World Cup carries. Um, I also think they're what taking into mean? well, they're taking into account that there's less games in a tournament, like as opposed to a whole season of NRL or Super League where there's thirty games across the season. If you're going to yeah. play in the World Cup, the most games you can play in is six if you make the grand final yeah so if you if you obviously they're you know if you do something bad they're going to suspend you but you know if you um i don't know what's something minor um what's something head minor Nick? a head high yeah let's say head high that's a grade a head one that doesn't, a head high with no head collision do you know what i mean yeah like, like a hitting neck the neck hitting the neck or something yeah. or the yeah and it's a grade one it's like, well, well, you know, whatever. I think that's what they're going to do. I'd like to see what they actually do if they fine you or whatever. Like, fining them is pretty unfair because some players are literally, you know, on no money. You know, they're yeah, getting paid. Right. They're getting paid um, by the the competition. The Rugby League World Cup are evenly paying every participant. That's across the men's, women's, and wheelchair tournaments. But the, yep. but the nation can put money on top. So, for example... The Gillaroos, each uh, female player is getting minimum 30K, minimum 30K. And if you play more games, you obviously get more money per player. So they're getting paid a fuckload so this time it's around. A, it's, about, it's about the amount of games you play. That's that's for Australia. But the Rugby League World Cup tournament organisers are, are giving every player, I believe it's two and a half grand each, I think. That's, that's every yeah, right. participant. So, yeah. But anyway, that's what's happening with the suspension side of things. What do you think of that? Do you think that's fair? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really hard one. I yeah, I need more time to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're lowering the standard. The the, the 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 suspensions aren't going to be as long. I think it just depends on what it is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's well, you easy know what? To say that it, it would be easy to say. It'll be interesting once one happens, what they do, and then we can actually discuss it. Yeah, like like with the Tamalolo on um on Papalihi head high, shoulder into the head. Mm. Tamalolo gets three games in a major semi in the NRL final series. Mm. Can't play three games for Tonga. And someone does the same thing in the first game of the of the um the tournament of the World Cup, yeah, and gets one game. Yeah, that doesn't well, make any sense. Well, mate, I don't think you should be. I've actually um. I think I was wrong initially uh, when Origin was around. I don't think you sh- if you if you do something in the NRL and the state of Origin is the next game, you probably just serve the games during the NRL, and I don't think it should affect rep football because it's a different tournament. It's a different it's a different thing. State of Origin is not an NRL game, so yeah, maybe yeah, they shouldn't yeah, align. True. Maybe they shouldn't align. Just like the World Cup isn't an NRL game or a Super League game, I don't think they should align. So. Anyway, that's another thing that they'll probably fix later on in the, you know, in the future, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, who is your prediction for Golden Boot? This is an award, as a reminder, which is given to the best player during international football. The last award was in 2019, which was given to Roger Tuovasa-Shek of the New Zealand Kiwis. Who have you got as the best player of the World Cup? I think the best player is going to be um, a fullback because they get their hands on the ball the most. Mm. It'll be Tedesco. I don't necessarily believe he'll, he'll be the best player, but I think that that um, Australia will win, and I think as a result he'll be the he'll get the he'll get the bickies with regards to only due to the fact that Australia don't even know really know who their halfback's going to be, mm. and they'll be sharing it between two players. Yep. Um, I would have said, uh, I would have said the Joey Manu, but Joey Manu is coming back from injury and I'm not sure he's going to be a hundred percent right. Well, I've, uh, that's a good point. Um, I was going to say Joey Manu and someone else, but you've actually um, changed my mind. Uh, so I'm going to wholeheartedly pick our sideline story MVP, Joseph Tarpanay. I just don't think that, um, I don't think forwards are appreciated in the international game as much as backs, man. Over the course of a season, we we appreciate forwards. Mm. I just can't see. I just can't see over the course of a World Cup where people like to see long range tries and stepping and skill, mm. as opposed to a bloke who takes twenty hit ups but doesn't do anything that's um, jaw dropping. Mm. I just don't think you get the bickies. Oh, I agree. I think he's one. He's definitely one of the best players in the world easily. Probably the best, probably the current best prop in the world. Yep, I think he is. Uh, yep. I, just, I just don't think, I, I just don't think that you know they, they're appreciated as much. So, fair enough. Yeah. Lastly, to end our episode, Nick, another topic that we've spoken about, which you and Clarky aggressively, did, um, you know, went against my opinion on it. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to bring it up. Uh, the NRL and Channel 9 are apparently currently in production 
of an Australian kangaroos documentary, which follow, which is following the journey of the kangaroos during the World Cup. What are your thoughts, Nick, on this documentary topic? Oh, I think it'll be good, but um, it just depends how they do it. Are they going to sensationalize everything? Are they going to are they going to make it into a you know a you know um, I don't know how to put it. Is it going to be like um, keeping up with the Kardashians? Like, what, how oh, come on, Nick! It's going to be good. Well, what are they going to do? Are come they going to try on. and make up some bullshit about how how Nathan Cleary and Daly Cherry Evans secretly hate each other <laughs> to get the seven jersey and blah blah blah? You know, I've got to see it before I comment on it. Oh, come on. The idea's good. Come on. Mate, I've got to see it first. Marketing of the game of rugby league. There's not enough of it. More needs to happen. More needs to happen, Nick. Uh, you know, all they need to do is just get highlight packages together with Tina Turner singing one of her songs. What song Major is it, Nick? Dramas. Sing it for us. Sing it for us, Nick. No, I'll definitely not be singing. Simply Barrel. <laughs> come That's on, sing it. Sing it. That's one of them. What's the no, other one? I'm singing it. What's the other one? I can't remember if you get. I can't remember what it was called. Maybe you could sing it, it to us, so we will we'll know. No, I'm not going to be singing. There's going to be no singing, Dan. <laughs> Whatever. Nick. I've, got in, I've got it in my head, but I can't. I can't think of the title. It's simply the barrel. <laughs> That's one of them. I actually don't remember the other one. To be fair, maybe Clarky knows, but the Clarky's not here. So whatever. Anyway, Nicholas, let's leave it at that. Hey, it's hey, always hey, a pleasure. On a it's, what is it? It's what you get. It's what you get is what you see. That was the other song, Tina Turner. I actually don't know how it goes. I'm serious. Can you like hum it or something? No, I'm not going to be humming it. You'll have to look it up. Oh, you're fucking, fans, look it up. You're fucking crazy, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's always a pleasure. Never a chore, even though you don't want to sing for me, Nick. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Akasha, Rusty Penny, and the RN Co. And to everyone tuning into episode 72 of the Sideline Story Rugby League podcast. That is a wrap from us here. Go the Bulldogs. Fuck the Kangaroos. Go every other nation in this World Cup. 15v1. Let's go. Uh, go Australia. And uh, go the Eels. And um, go the Snakes. And whatever Clarkie says. What does he say, Nick? Uh, glory, glory. And um, something about balls. <laughs> it's not balls, it's balls. <laughs> balls. Oh, let's go. This Sunday, as a reminder, everyone, this Sunday, 12.30 a.m. for all the Aussies that listen to this podcast. Sunday, the 16th of October, 12.30 a.m. Fuck the kangaroos. Goodbye, everyone.